Welcome, everybody, to the House of Hustle podcast on Sports Radio 810. We are presented by Charlie Hustle. It is March. It is madness. We are getting ready to preview the Sweet 16. And let me welcome in my co-host, Stephen St. John. Stephen, what's going on? How, how are we feeling? How are you doing on this Monday post-Mizzou exit? I was feeling great on Friday, and I'm thinking we're going to do the Sweet you 16. You were on fire on Friday. Let's be great. honest. You Mizzou were had won their first tournament game in 13 years. And so I'm thinking we're going we're gonna to have this. House of Hustle, Sweet 16 preview. We're going to have Mizzou. We're going to have KU. We're going to have K-State. Maybe Creighton. Such a local flavor. We're going to have games in Kansas City, the T-Mobile Center to preview. And then Kansas goes out and gets beat by a shirtless Eric Musselman. <laughs> and then Mizzou just doesn't show up against Princeton. It gets, gets the pants beat off of them. But K-State did their job. They beat Kentucky, and so now they're headed to the Sweet 16 in Madison Square Garden in the East. And let me tell you, I love what's left there. If you're a K-State fan, you got to be fired up. So in an effort to be positive, let's start there. K-State takes care of business against Montana State and then beats Kentucky 75-69. to And now in the East region, on the top of the bracket, the nine-seed FAU, 33-3, by the way, takes on... The number four seed, Tennessee, which looked like anything but a team that was going to go on a hot run in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, Mizzou beat them a couple of times over the past few months, including that win against them in the uh, SEC tournament. But here's Tennessee. They get past Louisiana. They beat Duke. So FAU and Tennessee will take on the winner of K-State and Michigan State. Michigan State upsets Marquette. I had Marquette going to the Final Four, so they screwed that part of the bracket. K-State beats Kentucky, and now they have Michigan State in front of them and the winner of FAU and Tennessee. That's all that's standing between them and a trip to the Final Four. How do you feel about K-State and how they're playing under Jerome Tang and this matchup coming up against Michigan State? Huge matchup. I think it's uh, it's a blast when you look at the point guards, right? Tyson Walker and Marquise Noel. Um, that's going to be a, a fun get after you older guards. Um, you know, the New York connection, it's going to be fun watching those, those two get after it, especially at MSG, uh, Naquan Tomlin goes back to New York. So a lot of good storylines, uh, for Kansas state, just where they're headed, uh, and playing in Madison square garden. First off, congrats to coach Tang and his, his entire coaching staff to get to, to this point year one, sweet 16, uh, and really put together just a tough win against a, a very good Kentucky team. That was an excellent basketball game. I mean, it was it, it was everything you wanted. It was entertaining. Um, it was a you know elite guard play. Casey Wallace was really good for Kentucky. Obviously, Oscar Shibway and the rebounding and you know former player of the national player of the year last year. Um, I thought K State did as much as they could to try to impact him. He's gonna get his rebounds. He's you know he he's just that much of an impact on the glass. Um, but Kansas State made more plays down the stretch. They made big shots. I mean, the one that's going to jump out is Masood um, on the flare screen, hitting the three. Uh, they gave K-State the lead late. Keontae Johnson has step back three. That was a huge shot down the stretch, but I just thought the 50-50 balls, and, you know, when it comes, you know, winning time, final two minutes, NCAA tournament, so much on the line uh, to get to the next round, you got to be able to execute. You got to be able to function in those moments, and and a lot of it comes down to just how bad you want it. Um, the toughness piece of it, um, you know, knowing every every possession matters. And I felt like Kansas State, their attention to detail, the energy, the entire game, 
But it all comes back to Marquise Noel for me. He's the heart and soul of this team. He has been all year. Keontae is a guy that is just a force. Like he, His leadership is lead by example, um, and he's got to be productive night in and night out for sure. But with Marquise, it's his just energy level, the enthusiasm. Like yesterday, the passing and, and yeah, the shot making, the deep threes. I mean, he's got the green light at all times for a reason. But I just thought he was so dynamic, and Kentucky had no answer for him. When he's when the end of the half with the double team, when Marquise just ran around the double team and threw a lob to Naquan Tomlin to close the half, that pretty much summarized the fact that I don't think Kentucky realized just how fast, how quick, how impactful Marquise Noel was. 27 points, 9 assists, both first and second round games. Marquise Noel was excellent. Um, and the passing, 14 assists in that opening round game, I mean, he, he just puts K-State on his back. And, and he had some ups and downs, right, in February when Kansas State was struggling. Um, but really kind of just it, it, when it matters most, NCAA tournament, best players got to play well. We saw that in the Mizzou loss. You know, for Kansas State, their best players played well both games. That's why they're advancing. This Michigan State team, Tom Izzo, very, very tough physical team. They kind of remind me a little bit of Tennessee in that they're going to get after you. It's going to be physical. It's going to be almost like a rugby match. But – there is a lot of talent, too, on that Michigan State team. Sissoko is a big, is another very athletic mobile big. That'll be a tough matchup for Kansas State again. Um, and then Tyson Walker's got great speed, shot maker. Uh, and their guard play is really good in general. Joey Hauser, uh, Malik Hall. Malik Hall, who hasn't really given him much, uh, but is a real you know threat off the bench if he gets going. So it's a great matchup. And I think the winner, I think this is the toughest matchup K-State has in front of them to get to the Final Four for sure. If they can get by Michigan State, then it gets real interesting. But like like we've learned in this tournament, you don't want to look at seeds. It's one game at a time. It's the matchup in front of you. And this can be a, a heck of a game. I think it could go either way. But Mich- Michigan State, K-State, I think either team, depending on how, how well they play, how they close, how they finish the game, how they start the game, uh, what team puts their impact and their stamp on the game early and often, that's who's going to end up probably pulling this one out. So it's a heck of a matchup. You can listen to all the games on Sports Radio 810 WHB, K-State and Michigan State, tip-off at 5.30 on Thursday in New York. And so who's your pick? Does K-State get it done against Michigan State? Vegas did open with Michigan State as a one-point favorite. I'm actually leaning Kansas State um, because I think Marquise Noel's speed is that much of a factor. And although Tyson Walker's a great athlete, um, A.J. Hogard is a physical guard that can really defend and make plays himself. I, I'm going to give the edge to K-State, but here's the here's the piece of it for me. Marquise Noel, as much you know, as we're going to talk about him on the offensive side of the ball with the shot making and the playmaking and the passing uh, and just his impact in, in closing that game out against Kentucky, defensively this will be a big challenge for him. And he, he answered that call against Kaysen Wallace, who was still very, very good. And, and Kaysen Wallace is an NBA player. Um, that, to me, is why I have a little bit more confidence right now with Kansas State over Michigan State and Michigan State – Got a very hard-nosed, gritty win against a Marquette team uh, that had Kolick, uh, who is one of the better point guards in the country. So I think both teams are somewhat battle-tested, if you will. I give the edge to, to Kansas State just because I think the speed is a factor with Marquise Noel. And I think Keontae Johnson, Michigan State's got to match up with that. And I think Michigan State's role players, when they're good, they got a lot of guys that can impact the game. That's something to look at in this game. Um, but I think Keontae Johnson is, is just that talented. I think he's that good. I think he can shut the door like he did in the Kentucky game, hitting a big step back three, um, being impactful around the rim. I'll give the edge to Kansas State. 
All right, let's uh, move on to the two local teams that we talk about that did not make it to the Sweet 16, Mizzou and Kansas. Uh, Mizzou had a golden opportunity. Uh, they played the 15th seed Princeton in the second round for the right to go to the Sweet 16. And this was after Mizzou won their first tournament game in 13 years over Utah State in the first round. And look, we talked about this on uh, on the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'll give the shorter version here. It, 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 it could be true. Both things could be true. You're happy that Dennis Gates resurrected the Mizzou basketball program, re-engaged the fans, won 25 games, won the first tournament game for, uh, for Mizzou uh, in, in 13 years, uh, finished in the top four in the SEC for the first time, made it to Saturday at the SEC tournament for the first time, beat the heck out of Illinois, beat Kentucky, split with Arkansas, did great things all season long, and, and, and again, brought a lot of fans back. From, from apathy, and Mizzou was irrelevant in, in college basketball, and then he brought them back to relevance. You can believe all those things and also be bitterly disappointed with the performance against Princeton where they appeared to be unprepared and out-coached and out-hustled and out-everything else. And you can't be out-hustled when we call the show the Bingo. House of Hustle. Bingo. Then we point it out. So both things can be true. You're satisfied, you're thrilled with what Mizzou accomplished this year, because if we would have told you before the season all those things would happen, you would have said, wow, no way. Wild, uh, um, uh, just just an absolute uh, wild success for Dennis Gates in his first year. But, yep, the way it ended. Uh, it's the big butt, yep. Uh, I, I know you're looking at me and saying big butt. I'll take that <laughs> as a compliment. But how do you, oh, man. how did they, I mean, they just got beaten every facet of the game of basketball against Princeton. Yeah. How, first of all, how did Princeton lose eight games? I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, they man. Got, they, they got, they they got were, beat twi- twice by Yale. What's going on? They look great. Um, right, did they look like an eight-loss team for no, the Ivy League? they didn't. And they also were – I was just amazed that the whole game, I'm thinking, man, Princeton is, sure is athletic because they're beating Missouri off the dribble everywhere. Missouri can't do anything on offense. Um, Kobe Brown couldn't get going. Uh, Missouri did try to establish him at – Finally, really, in the final five-minute period of the first half. Because you tried everything. They tried to zone. They, they, they yeah. couldn't find they, any solution. And this is something where you got to just tip your cap sometimes. And, and the tournament, yeah, I know so much is made of seeding, and I think that's why this stings a little bit because it's 15-seed Princeton. <sighs> and there's a great opportunity, a golden opportunity to go to the Sweet 16, and you can't get it done. And it's not just that you can't get it done. You didn't really do anything positive on either end of the floor. I mean, Noah Carter had some good moments to kind of – Keep Missouri somewhat close. I think we we said this earlier. Like Missouri was within seven at the half, and you're thinking, okay, I'll take that. We we weren't really executing at any sort of level on de- on the defensive side of the ball. We weren't rebounding. Shots weren't falling. We were taking bad shots. Um, and from Missouri's standpoint, Demoy Hodge and Kobe Brown, those two guys got to carry you. And your two best players. They really were not much of a factor uh, in the first half. I know, you know, Demoy got banged up, and I, I don't know if his injury made a serious factor in the second half. He, he somehow did play. that wasn't a foul, by the way. Somehow, um, it's another thing for me. I, you know, I said this this morning. This this game has was not impacted at all by the whistle or officials or anything like that. But I did feel get a sense of just the momentum of the first half and just trying to get an understanding of how the game was going to be get going to be called. It was a little inconsistent there. I think Kobe Brown was a you know thinking he got 
fouled a couple times to get to the free throw line where there was no calls and there was quite a bit of contact. Same, the same with Des Moines and the dunk attempt. How that's not a foul, not really sure. But the reality is that those those calls did not make an impact in this game at all. Princeton wins this game wire to wire. Um, and Missouri just really could not get into any sort of flow or any sort of rhythm. And the role players that have had to step up for Missouri that have given them good games, there wasn't much there. And Missouri just, man, just nothing, nothing there offensively. The game was over with about seven, eight minutes to go. And, man, once Princeton, Princeton's ball movement and spacing, Missouri couldn't match. They tried everything from man to 1-3-1 to 2-3 matchup to pressing to trying to trap. There was everything Missouri was trying to do, and Princeton just beat it. This goes back to, for me, fundamentals. I always like coming back to fundamentals. You know, Missouri, not a lot of boxing out. They got hammered on the glass. They've been hammered on the glass all year. I think with Princeton beating defenses with the pass and not the dribble. And, How many uncontested jump shots yeah. did Princeton have? And to think about the Utah State win for Missouri, where I don't think, and Utah State didn't make shots, but I think in the first half when Utah State went 0 for 11, I don't remember them having... A lot of open looks outside of maybe one. They guarded the hell out of the three. Exactly. And the Utah State first three they hit was off a live ball turnover where it was a walk-in, step-in three. So just a much different played game. And that speaks to the inconsistency of Missouri all year. When they've been great, they've been elite. They've, they've been that team that you think, man, they can beat everybody. And then they have those games or those halves in, at, at different times where – they can't do anything. They can't do anything offensively, and their defense lets them down, and their defense can't let them down. And that reared its ugly head in this game, and that's why Missouri just did not have any sort of punch or fight at all. I thought that the Alabama game in the SEC tournament was where I was thought, all right, I like this because they got down and then they scrapped and fought, and like you could tell that they were really engaged and energetic. And they gave Alabama a game. They gave Alabama a game. Where was that? Because I didn't see that in the Princeton game at all, and that's ultimately why they're going home. They were, I mean, they were just flats. So I, I mean, look, look, you, you still feel great about the program and where it's headed in the first year under Dennis Gates, but you could also be super disappointed with that effort and that performance against Princeton. Both, both can be true. Yep. You don't have, it doesn't have to be either or. And what's really disappointing, too, is that robs us of a fun matchup that we would have been able to preview Creighton and Mizzou. I know you would have loved that. Oh, man. So instead, of, and you've been talking about Creighton all year long. Now it's Creighton against Princeton. And I do have uh, in my bracket, I had Creighton meeting Alabama in the Elite Eight. So I expect Creighton to win this game. Creighton's better. You know, six seed, nothing to sneeze at, but I think they're better than a six seed. And that's a team that has all the elements. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and kind of like, for different reasons, kind of like Arkansas. You look at what they have and you're thinking, well, they should be better than a six seed. Arkansas should be better than an eight seed. But seeding doesn't matter once you get into the tournament and then if things come together and you're playing your best ball, then the talent will come out. And maybe I feel like this is what's happened with Creighton. Yeah. And we could see them. Yep. Well, I'd love to see Creighton and Alabama in the Elite Eight. I still think Alabama wins, but Creighton might be able to give them all they can handle. What about Creighton now that they have Princeton in front of them and they're sitting in the Sweet 16? This is a team that you said to keep uh, keep our eyes on in the NCAA tournament, and here they are. Yeah, well, Creighton got off to a great start, and you know they had a plus ten advantage at half, and their defense was very good. Um, I thought they guarded Keontae George really well, um, who was a you know freshman of the year in the Big Twelve, and um, you know Baylor's really top scorer and top playmaker. Um, L.J. Cryer was really good for Baylor. I think it 
you know, kept Baylor in the game. But you look at this Creighton team, and it's interesting to see. I'm going to start with Trey Alexander because I think he is their best defender. He's elite. Um, he can guard one, twos, and threes for the most part. Uh, lacks a little strength in terms of guarding threes, but he moves so well, and he is a dog on defense. And he's improved his shooting, shooting 42% from three. I think he was in the you know 25 to 26 range last year. So he's come a long way with his jump shot, and that's helped a ton. He got to the free throw line in this game, but what really stood out was the eight rebounds and five assists from Trey. Um, he's just really kind of coming into his own of putting it all together and being a complete player. Trey was you know really talented when Creighton signed him as a as a freshman. Um, he was committed to Auburn and ends up at Creighton. And, man, he's he's getting better and better. And to me in this game, he was the factor with 17, 8, and 5. I mean, that's a big day for him. Did have three turnovers, a um, couple of those unforced. But he was great. And then Ryan Evhard is the scorer. And he mostly is a point guard that's more pass first. But, man, he was aggressive shooting the ball. Um, and you talk about getting to the free throw line, 10 of 10 at the line. I mean, free throw shooting is really important. You've heard it before in the tournament. Free throw shooting matters, closing games, but just getting to the line, uh, stopping the clock, being aggressive, creating fouls, um, those those things really matter. Ryan's really good off the dribble. 10 to 10 at the free throw line is a big deal um, for, for Ryan. He's an undersized point guard, but he can really score. He, he also hit four threes. He was 8 of 13 from the field, so highly efficient for 30 points. That's a great, I mean, 30 points, NCAA tournament. It's a memorable performance to get Creighton over the hump. But the most important player to this Creighton team and I would say Baylor Sharman is the IQ, the like so intelligent, great defender, spot shooter. He is, I mean, Baylor Sharman, you could argue, is so important to this team. But when Creighton really struggled and went through their lulls of losing, they were without Ryan Kolkbrenner, their five, their center, seven footer. And Kolkbrenner was great in their opening round game when things got a little tight. Ryan Kolkbrenner made some big plays, hit some big shots. Ryan was four, 10 in the Baylor game, 10 and seven. He did get in foul trouble. Kolkbrenner has, it has been the missing piece when he was hurt. You could clearly tell Creighton couldn't operate without him. He's back. He's healthy. It's why Creighton, I think, has played with so much more confidence because they know they have that anchor on their defense. He's a drop big. Um, he he can block shots, but he's he's a force on the glass. They still need Arthur Kaluma to to be kind of the, the guy that can space it in corners, six seven small forward power forward. But Creighton is is a team right now that I think is dangerous, and I think they're scary in terms of I would love to see that matchup, like you said, with them in Alabama. That would be a fun one. Uh, Brandon Miller's been a little bit up and down with the injury. Um, I still think Alabama's most talented team by far, and that would be a fun matchup just with how Creighton plays, that that style McDermott plays with. Um, he's one of my you know favorite coaches. I think he's a very underrated coach in college basketball just by his style the guys that he recruits to play his system. Um, they don't have much of a bench. They will play probably seven, eight guys. But those those starting that starting five for Creighton has been rock solid now that they're healthy. And they're a dangerous team right now, dangerous out. All right, let's take a look at the West. Kansas, the one seed, loses to the eight seed Arkansas. We've talked about this. Arkansas on paper, they're not an eight seed. Correct. They were just inconsistent. And part of that was, was Nick Smith missing time. But they have two lottery picks. Uh, in 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 Black and Smith, mm-hmm. they have they're loaded with talent. They have a coach that's had had recent success in the NCAA tournament. They play their best basketball at the end of the year. Uh, what what uh, were your main takeaways? Uh, why did Arkansas upset Kansas? 
Yeah, I think when you look at this matchup, and I mean, foul trouble played a part in this game. I hate to say it. Uh, KJ Adams getting his fourth early in the second half was a big deal. Um, and Bill Self wasn't there. And Bill Self wasn't there. Like, what's, it, he, what's I mean, it, it starts there. It's subjective, like, but how many points is he worth? I mean, oh, I mean, he's he's the best coach in America. I mean, he's he's worth and all those and and the, these type of games that Kansas has been ATOs in. ATOs and things uh, yeah. like that. Like what's, he, what's timeouts? You know, per, uh, personnel changes, motivational tactics. Uh, I think some. I think a good coach can, you know, have an uh, ability to communicate with officials. Uh, both in a positive way, sometimes in a negative way. That ends up, you know, being a, a big factor. And I think Coach Self does a really good job of finding that balance as a coach where I feel like every piece of the the coaching operation he's got his hands on. And, you know, most important thing is Coach Self's health. And so I'm, I'm somewhat glad he didn't coach in this game because I, I just I didn't feel like just from what was put out there and, and know he was in Des Moines, um, there's no sense, you know, coaching a game when your health's on the line. And I know he's an a, a elite coach. He's the best coach in America. We all wanted to see him coach in this game. And I think it was important for him to put his health first. So that starts there. Um, I do think it played a factor for sure. Um, and I think Coach Roberts has done an incredible job with Kansas when Coach Self hasn't been able to coach. We saw it at the beginning of the year. We saw it at the end of the year. Um, coach Roberts and uh, Coach Townsend, that entire staff, Coach Ballard, uh, Coach Case, all those guys, they did a they did a terrific job without their leader. And I think the players too, without Coach Self, that that needs to be said. That can be tough when you're the head man in there. I mean, and they, I still thought Kansas just played how Kansas normally looks. They were in that game and competitive with Arkansas. They had a lead. I think that's the hard part is they had a lead. There's plenty of possessions, missed free throws in there where you can think, man, Kansas had every opportunity to win that game, but. It was an elite college basketball game, let's be honest. The energy, the crowd, um, the physicality, the the emotion of everybody on the floor, um, it was big time. Both teams wanted this. It's what makes the tournament great. Um, you just know that it's survive in advance and you're done if you can't get by. And unfortunately, Kansas had a great year. They won the Big 12 outright. This is my chance to say Jalen Wilson. He was a player of the year in the Big 12, 20-point-per-game score. An unbelievable story. Jalen Wilson is national champion. I know it didn't end how he wanted it, obviously, but how he represented Kansas, how he led all year, how he played at such a high level all year is so impressive. And he's going to be an NBA player, and he earned that. And that's that's really, um, you know, from a Kansas standpoint, that's that can't be can't be overlooked. Uh, Kevin McCuller banged up. I think he was healthier in this game. I don't think he was one hundred percent, but he gave them everything he could. Um, I think. Arkansas, just from a physicality, toughness, you know, getting rebounds, getting the free throw line, forcing some turnovers. Devo Davis, Devontae Davis, we don't talk about him enough because so much is made of the lottery picks and Ricky Council, Jordan Walsh. Ricky Council, the fourth, big free throws. Big free throws, huge free throws down the stretch. Um, yeah, I mean, just a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a big win for Arkansas, obviously. Like, the emotion level of, of everyone involved. They wanted that game. I was talking with uh, Matt Zimmerman, who is their, their their color analyst on radio, and one of my former coaches. Yeah, you could just tell, you know, this was this was the game. And they've had a they've had a, they've had an up and down year. I mean, it has not gone according to plan for Arkansas. Nick Smith missing so many games and having to come back late in the year. Trevon Brazil getting Trevon hurt. Brazil the getting of the year. hurt. Yeah, I mean, now he's on IG saying F Missouri. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know if I'd be. I'd he loves be, Kobe Brown. Though, he loves F, Kobe Brown. Who doesn't? Who doesn't really? Right. But. But, it, um, you know, I, I think where Arkansas is at, to your point, 
where they were seated, we all knew that they were a better team than that. Um, it oh, was, as soon as the bracket came out, I'm like, yeah, wow, and so much was made too of Kansas not being the one in the the Midwest. Would it look differently if they're in Houston's place right now? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of hindsight, but it is uh, it is what it is, and and ultimately Arkansas found a way, and that's all that really matters in the tournament. You got to find a way somehow, and you got to take advantage of opportunities on missed free throws, and you got to make your free throws and execute and get some stops, and you know get rebounds when they matter. It's just so many factors and so many pieces of the puzzle where you, you got to be dialed into the details and Arkansas is just able to survive. I do it. Kamani Johnson is another name, I think, for Arkansas, the, the 10 rebounds he had. Um, I thought he was a real impact. He's not a scorer. He's more of a defensive stopper, physical, on the glass, and I, I thought he was big. The foul trouble for Kansas really hurt. Uh, the 10-second call, I think that was really kind of shocking with Kansas and Dewan because they just don't do that. And so those little factors play a, play a role in the tournament. It's ultimately why Arkansas survives. All right, so now in the West, you get Arkansas, UConn, Gonzaga, and UCLA left. Yeah. I'm pulling hard for the Zags. I picked them in my uh, in my bracket. I don't have them going to the national championship game, but I would not be opposed to, what's that, a, was it seven or how many straight Sweet 16s now? I, mean, I think it's six. I think it's six for Gonzaga. No, I'm sorry. Now it's seven. It could be seven now. Because six. But that's crazy. When you think about how unpredictable the NCAA tournament is, yeah, and I know that they've gone home, you know, they've lost at times when they shouldn't have, but never in the first and second round during this stretch. I don't know what it says. That's um, that we, we've seen how crazy this is and how hard it is every year to avoid that first round upset when you're up there every year and when you're a high seed every year. I have a tremendous amount of respect for that program, and that's a program that I root for. I'd love to see them win a championship, but who do you think comes out of there? Arkansas, UConn, mm. Gonzaga, UCLA. That ain't no joke that's right That's no joke. I mean, that's such a great four right there to get to the Final Four. In Vegas. In Vegas. Um, UConn is going to be a tough matchup for Arkansas, uh, but it's a fun matchup with a lot of talent on the floor. Um, Jordan Hawkins is UConn's best shooter. Andre Jackson is their best. Andre Jackson, um, very similar to Anthony Black. With they're very, they got great size. They're great passers. They're versatile defenders. I think Anthony Black can make more of a three point shot than than Andre Jackson. Just I, so that's a, that could be a piece. Um, it will come down to some of those role players. Um, Sonogo, the center from from UConn, is a force. I mean, he's six nine, six ten, but strong, and has added the three point shooting, so they can stretch Arkansas uh, from three. And UConn's got a bench. Um, you know, they got a seven two, you know, center that comes off the bench, and Donovan Klingon that could give them some serious minutes. That could be a problem for Arkansas. I like UConn in that game, but if you were to just say, well, if Arkansas sneaks by. Would you be surprised? No, I wouldn't, because I think Arkansas, when you get a win like that against Kansas, that really brings a level of added confidence to you that you can go beat anybody, right? You just beat the one seed in Des Moines. You throw the seeds out. You now. throw the They're seeds done. out, and, hey, find a way to win that game. But it will be the biggest, I think, test that UConn has in terms of physicality of the of an SEC-caliber opponent you know, UConn's a very good team. I'm not taking anything away from them, but they're, they're going to get tested by Arkansas. There's no question. And then on the other side of the bracket, I like Gonzaga. I, I think the Jalen Clark factor, not him being out with the ACL, um, I think that's too much of a factor for UCLA to get through. Jaime Jaquez speaks for himself. He's a terrific player. High IQ, just a, a complete, complete winner in every way. 
Um, Amari Bailey is playing well. Tiger Campbell uh, is a is a very good point guard that's been in this game before. Let's let's rewind. Did, the, did, did he need a kid that, that rolled his ankle right before the end of the game? He rolled his ankle. Um, they said it was a sprain. It looked bad. He knowing Tiger Campbell, and I don't again, I don't know the severity of the injury. I mean, he he, he might you know it might be worse than it looked. But get him on the phone with Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. How do you fix this ankle problem? He. Tiger Campbell's playing. I, I'll just say I, he's going to play. Like I, I don't right. think there's any way he would sit out. But who knows? I mean, it might be worse than it looks. So you, you know, you, you kind of leave that open ended. But this this matchup, by the way, back in the Jalen Suggs, you know, buzzer beater, the Gonzaga UCLA matchup is a is a blast. Like this is such a great rematch. Drew Timmy was fantastic last night against TCU. He's forty years old. Uh, but <laughs> exactly, he runs with Perry Ellis a little right. bit. You That's know, he's kind of been around. Like That's it. fine. That's all right. Miss Lightfoot probably is a big. Uh, you know, Drew Timmy fan, I would think, but you know. So who's the team that emerges? I, I like Gonzaga. Okay, I like Gonzaga. In Gonzaga this one. in the West. Let's talk about the Midwest. We ain't got no local schools here, but we still got Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight basketball actually coming up this weekend at T-Mobile Center. Houston and Miami, Xavier and Texas. Mm. I did have Houston and Texas meeting in the Elite Eight with Houston advancing to the final four in Houston. But I don't like I don't know none of these schools are close. I don't know if anyone's gonna have any type of home court advantage. You can tell me better between Houston and Miami, Xavier or Texas if anyone's gonna travel. But I mean if you just want to talk about a hell of a game, look Miami or Xavier could win. But if we get Houston and Texas in the Elite Eight, yeah, I I I think I will find my way down to T Mobile Center on Sunday to watch that. Uh, but who do you like to emerge uh, out of Kansas City in the Midwest to go to the Final Four? So I have Texas, but I think Houston right now, I, with Marcus Sasser looking like Marcus Sasser, I think they're the team to circle here um, that I would love to see Houston, Texas, first of all, just with so, so many factors. You know, the, the state of Texas, the, that matchup. Um, Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson, for sure. A uh, chance to get back to the Final Four in Houston, um, this is what makes this fun. I think from a fan base standpoint, I think Xavier's fans are going to be here and be, it's going, it's you. going to be serious. <laughs> I, I love, um, going to Cincinnati and going to Xavier games. Uh, their fan base is fantastic. So I'm really curious, you know, what that looks like for, for you being down in the power and light area, but, um, Xavier, Texas is going to be a good game. It's going to be a good, really good matchup. Um, Colby Jones is kind of the guy to, to circle. He was flirting with a triple double. I just think Texas right now, um, they have so many pieces and parts that are playing a factor. Uh, Serge Barry Rice has been really good for them. Um, Arteria Morris is playing more as a freshman. Uh, Dylan DeSue, the transfer, is a mid-range nightmare matchup for most teams. Marcus Carr speaks for himself as a shooter. Um, he can take over a game with his scoring. Uh, Timmy Allen is a veteran. I mean, they got experience. They got athleticism. They got size. They got shot making. They got physical. I mean, it's, they got all the pieces to do it. Um, and they've been in the Big 12, and they battled with a lot of really good teams, uh, not taking anything away from the American and, and Houston, what they faced, but that Houston-Texas matchup would be a blast, an all-timer. Don't you sleep know, on Miami, though. No, do not I'm sleep not, on Miami. because that's what I'm going to bring up. You know, it's interesting to me. There was so much talk about when Nigel Pack left Kansas State for that huge NIL deal. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, I mean, Miami? Yeah. yeah. And, the, you know, but, but now here we are, and, and, the, and you're thinking, well, K-State, well, they're going to be in trouble without him, oh, right? Yeah. 
K-State gets to the Sweet 16, and then Nigel Pack goes to Miami, <laughs> and he drugged them to the Sweet 16. Yeah. He was big in that second-round win. And so we kind of forget about him, but how great of a player he was for K-State last year. What about Nigel Pack in Miami? Um, so, yeah, Nigel Pack, I mean, a really great addition for Miami to play alongside Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller. Uh, Norchad O'Meer uh, was was really good in that Indiana game, 17 rebounds, and that's going up against Trace Jackson Davis, uh, who's a Player of the Year candidate and one of the best players in the Big Ten. Um, I had Miami beating Indiana just because I think their guard play is that good. Um, you know, Indiana has Jalen Huchofino, who's a great point guard. He's going to be an NBA player. But I just think Miami has – those those guards and Jordan Miller is not really a guard. He's more of like a combo wing, um, but his strength and his improvement and growth has been on full display. He had 19 and five in the Indiana win. Isaiah Wong though is such a dynamic shot maker and shot creator. Like that to me is going to be Isaiah Wong, Marcus Sasser. Like that is such a blast. If you're in Kansas City and you're going to these games, you have no dog in the fight. Go watch those two guys. Like that Isaiah Wong. His ability to put the ball on the floor, make mid-range jumpers, his three-point shooting at four threes in the Indiana game. Um, he had eight rebounds, and he's not the biggest guy on the floor. We just got done talking about rebounding a lot this morning. Uh, guards that rebound in March. Coaches always preach that. Guards that rebound in March. We used to say it all the time at Mizzou just because we were undersized. Guards got a rebound in March, and Isaiah Wong had eight rebounds, and he's not the biggest guy on the floor. So um, Coach Laranega does a fantastic job there. I love Coach Laranega. I'm happy to see he's, you know, back in the Sweet 16. Um, I still think they're a little salty of how they exited last year man, against they, Kansas. They, they, they were knocking on the door last year. That's right. I think they thought that they were destined last year, and now they're back this year. Um, still have a, you know, this is a big test for them, though, against Houston. Jarris Walker is another name I'll throw at you uh, from, from Houston. Um, you know, NBA lottery-type talent, uh, 6'8", is strong, physical, about 230, Great rebounder. Um, he's another piece of, of the puzzle in this game for Houston. But I thought, you know, Houston, just to kind of piggyback off of trends in March that I think are really a big factor. Houston was down 10 at half to Auburn. And you're thinking most teams would run away, you know, what teams run away in that moment or can't get a out of the water. The and then half. Houston came out firing and scored 50 points and held Auburn to 23 in the second half. Um, it's really impressive. But Jairus Walker um, in that game, though, 10 rebounds and six blocks. Like, the impact he made around the rim. He doesn't do a ton of scoring, but he's fully capable of scoring and going off. Um, but 10 rebounds, six blocks is massive. Um, Mark was big, 26 points, nine rebounds. Uh, he's a starter. Uh, Tremont Mark, he's a 6'5 junior. But he is a, a guy that I thought really shined in the Auburn game. You need role players to step up. He was terrific. But it comes back to me, Marcus Sasser with the five threes, 22 points, 7 of 14 from the field, highly efficient. So much was made of his injury. He looks great. Um, and that's why I think Houston would squeak by Miami. But I think it's going to be a great game. I, I, and I would not be surprised if Miami can, can pull the upset as well. So your official picks are the West, Gonzaga. Yes. The Midwest, who emerges. I'm, I'm going to stick with my original, and I'm going Texas. Son of a gun. But, man, I, I don't like that as much as I did when I filled out my bracket. Right. That's for sure. Okay, now getting back to the other side of the bracket, the South. Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton, Princeton. I think we're anticipating an Alabama-Creighton Elite Eight. Yep. I have Alabama as my national champion. I'll stick with that. 
uh, I would I would imagine you still have Bama yeah. in the South. Yeah, I do. It would have been, to your point, I hate to bring this up, it would have been fun to see Missouri Creighton. Uh, yeah, like, it would have I, mean, I, I, I got to. God man, it would have it been a great matchup. Man, can you imagine if it was a Missouri-Alabama rematch to go to the Final Four, too? Here's the deal, too. I was... I, I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have driven to Louisville to watch the Sweet yeah. 16 between Mizzou and Creighton. Yeah. And I was going to take sure. my daughter, Selena. We were just at least, at least talking because you got to talk about it, you know? And, uh, and of course, that didn't happen. So now yeah. we'll not be driving to Louisville. And, but, but from matchup standpoints, too, like Arkansas playing Kansas, I think, is great for, for the region, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, case, Kansas State, obviously, for the region being in the Sweet 16. Missouri and Creighton being in the tournament. Winning awesome. tournament. I mean, it would have been awesome to see that just from, from a regional standpoint. But okay, but you got Alabama. Is. I got Alabama, okay. yeah. So then in the East, again, Florida Atlantic against Tennessee, Kansas State against Michigan State. So I was I was watching that Florida Atlantic-Memphis game, uh-huh. and Memphis got screwed in the end. Yeah. Because that was the, – yep. they, they, you know, they had the ball, and they called the timeout, and these refs just called jump ball. Like, what, what are you looking at? <laughs> right. What are you seeing yep. here? Yep. And that – that kind of helped decide the game. But one thing that I did not realize, and boy, Penny Hardy was mad. He threw that water bottle after the game. He was pissed. But what I did not realize was I'm watching Penny Hardaway there, and I see a coach over there squatting behind him, talking to players and clapping. I go, wait a minute. That looks like Frank Haith. Yep. That's Frank. I, I, Coach Hayes. And now I remember in the, in the, like, oh, that's right. I do remember him going to Memphis, but I'd forgotten about it. Yep. Frank Heath was on that bench at Memphis. Yeah, that's right. Top uh, top assistant at uh, at Memphis. And I'm happy for him. I mean, like, I think he's really happy with where he's at. You know, I I know, you know, he's he did such a great job uh, in terms of being a head coach. It had great, great years at Mizzou and went to Tulsa, had some good years at Tulsa and didn't work out. But, um, you know, I think being in Memphis with Penny and I think what, what they uh, what they're building there is is good for coach. Um, you know, he's a terrific offensive mind, and he's a, just a terrific coach in general. Highly, I think where he's at with Penny um, in terms of just mo- being in that motivational role where he doesn't have to have that pressure on him as a head coach like he did have, and he can just kind of embrace and enjoy coaching again. I think is kind of where he's at, which I think is good. Damn press conference. That's right. But, you, there, That's but right. there was so much emotion because the 16 had already beat the one. Yeah. And you're no like, we win this game. There's a good chance we're going to the final four or the, the sweet 16. I'm thinking, you know what? That's what I was thinking about, son of a gun. But that's fine. Whatever. It happened. So Florida Atlantic advances. They're 33 and three. They don't have the, the best resume, but they're 33-3, and three, yep. and they're taking on a flawed Tennessee team that I didn't think would make it this far. You you said that you think K-State's toughest team here left to face is Michigan State, and they're going to slide by them. What about this Florida Atlantic-Tennessee game? Who's going to – if K-State gets to the Elite Eight, who are they going to play? I like Tennessee just because I thought Tennessee – I didn't think Tennessee would get past Duke. Oh. I, I had Duke-Marquette, you know, in this region – um, in that elite eight, so the fact this is wide open again, um, Tennessee Sakai Ziegler is their point guard that's out with the injury, and I, I was at the Arkansas game when he you know hurt his knee, and that's when they I mean they they blew the doors off Arkansas, so I should have probably taken a little bit more weight there of like, well they're gonna be okay. Santiago Vescovi is is their shooter, he's their elite guard, um, you know Josiah Jordan James is another older player that can score it. 
They have length. They have size. It's a rugby match playing Tennessee. It's such a physical, physical, physical game. They were getting accused of, of just being flat out dirty in that game. Yeah, yeah. Well, game I mean, Duke. Yeah, they, they've they've What's, had plenty they? of moments. They've yeah. had plenty of moments like that. It's not that's not just the first time this has happened. Right. With a lot of their guys. But there were a lot of people tweeting about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but, okay, yeah. but like with FAU, I saw a couple of people before the tournament say. They deserve to be as high as a six seed, but they're going to get screwed. They're not going to, and they ended up getting a nine seed. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's so hard because even now they beat Memphis. That's a good quality win. But you can't take too much away from beating a 16 seed. It's like, I don't know what they are, but man, 33 and three and watching them against Memphis, they didn't back down and they hit some big shots. And so I, I, I guess that's what I just, scares me in yeah, this game. For I don't Tennessee. have a great feel for, for, FAU and exactly how good they are. It's all, uh, and this is with any matchup, but it's what team sets the tone. What, what what's the what's the rhythm and the flow and the pace of the game going to be, and who's going to dictate tempo? And for me, if Tennessee creates what they created against Duke, where it's just physical, they play with force and they play with some like the, at Duke. Everything was so difficult. There was down. guys with yeah. you know. Cut up eyes, and I mean, it just was like it was a dogfight, and that's what I remember when Missouri beat Tennessee in the SEC tournament. It was a dogfight, and Missouri found a way to win that game. Where was that Missouri against Princeton? Oh, it just comes, right back, comes back to this. It comes back to this. But you thing. like Tennessee? I like Tennessee, and then yeah. you like Kansas State. I like K State. That K State Michigan State matchup is my favorite matchup of the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I think it's just so. I mean, the games in Kansas City are great. Miami Houston is another big one. The guard play and Tom Izzo against Jerome Tang, uh, man, it's a it's just a good matchup. There's a lot of pieces of that Kansas State Michigan State game that I love. I'll give the edge to Kansas State. That is going to be a very good basketball game. But you'll go K State. I'm gonna here. go K State. Yeah, I gotta roll with it. I, I think K State's roll with it. They they were they were great in their first two games, and I think Marquise Noel is playing as as probably one of the best players in the tournament right now in terms of production. His scoring, his shooting, his passing, defensively, his quick hands. My goodness. I mean, he's uh, he's the talk of the tournament, deservedly so. All right, we had a, a listener question in from a loyal listener by the name of Todd L., who says he works at Union Broadcasting. I don't know who that is. He wants to know if you consider Grady Dick a lottery pick, and if you think Grady Dick is is done at Kansas or could he come back for one more year? Um, well, he all, I mean, all these guys come back in terms of NIL, if, if they have years of eligibility, I mean, NIL is such a huge factor, but there does come a point where does it make sense to do that? And I think Grady Dick's year as a freshman, uh, everything he accomplished, the shooting, um, I mean, he was one of Kansas's best players and consistent all year. Uh, I think he's done enough to where he is definitely a first round talent. I think he will be a top 15 pick, um, where that is, I think his ceiling is still very high. I think in terms of where he could fall in the draft, his range, I mean, he could sneak into the top 10, honestly. Um, I could see it happening. It all depends on how he performs in workouts. Hard because, to say when you get that opportunity. Exactly. And his, I mean, he's got positional size. He can shoot it. He's a, he's a great athlete that I don't think gets talked about enough. Uh, his verticality is really impressive. He's tough. Uh, he does his job. He knows his role, uh, and he's still young. And there's still, you know, a lot there in terms of you know development. But he already fits a role in terms of what he could bring an NBA team and an NBA franchise. I don't think he'd be a liability on defense. He would make shots. He'd stretch the defense. 
Uh, and he's got a very good basketball IQ. I think he's a very smart player that has made the most of his one year at Kansas. Now, look, he's from Wichita. He's a diehard KU fan. Um, I don't necessarily think that's going to play the the role and the factor of him making this decision. I I, I do think where his range is be and where his range will be in this draft. I think it's very high, and I think he's going to be a a significant player in the league for sure, just because. His skills translate, and that's really all that, that it comes down to. He does not have to be a one option, you know, the number one you know option on the floor um, to be viewed as a top 10 pick. He really doesn't, he, especially as a lottery pick even. Um, it's just depending on best talent avail- available and the upside, and there's a lot there with him. And you will stick with, I think, Alabama. Is it your national champ? Yeah. I mean, my, my three of my final four teams are still alive. The one, 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 that, the one that's out is Duke. That's a tough one for Marquette me. Marquette crush me. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's the side of the bracket that's wide open. So, um, outside, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Houston and Texas. That's the one that's going to be really fascinating because I, I have Alabama and Texas in the national championship game. So, see what happens. Um, but it's going to be fun to have the, the regional here in Kansas City, too. Uh, I know you know, we would love to have a local school and a local tie-in. I think Xavier fans will travel. I think Texas fans should travel. Just the fact that where they are, they have a real chance here. Um, Houston fans will, will be up here. I know that for sure. But um, I think it's just going to be fun, fun, you know, a couple days. Great weekend ahead here in Kansas City with those four teams. I, I think couple of those teams have a chance, real chance to maybe cut down the nets too. We'll see what happens. And thanks again to charliehustle.com. You can go to their store on the plaza, go to charliehustle.com. Our friends at Charlie, start over, fuck that. And thank you very much to our friends at Charlie Hustle. Uh, you can go to charliehustle.com or go to their store on the uh, plaza and you can get geared up. And before we let you go, we'll end it with this. Who is the House of Hustle, Hustler of the Month? Hustler of the Month. Since we're in March, and since the Kansas State Wildcats are where they are, I'm going to give it to Marquise Noel, who's always been the smallest guy on the floor. Um, his story coming out of New York is is pretty wild in terms of his recruitment. He ends up at Kansas State, uh, older player, but shining on the biggest stage in college basketball. He's a terrific story. Uh, stayed at Kansas State, too, didn't transfer, uh, believed in Coach Tang, uh, man, he has been so dynamic all year. He's had some massive games in terms of scoring and passing. I feel like he's playing his best basketball right now in March at the right time. He was doing that really around December when, you know, I, I guess January when the league play started, you know, with the Texas win and the Baylor win. And, um, you know, he's just continued to play at such a high level. So he's got to be. He's got to be the hustler of the month, Marquise Noel. There you go. All right. Uh, that's Jared Sutton. I'm Stephen St. John. Until the next episode, remember – Kansas City is for hustlers.